Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right, um, so, hi Amy, good morning, good to see you. Uh, so today we are beginning a new message series that I'm excited about for our um, new year and for our church. Uh, it's called In God We Trust. In God We Trust. It's on the uh, dollar bill, right? Uh, it says under, uh, under, or I think our Pledge of Allegiance talks about being a nation under God, but on our dollar bill, it says In God We Trust. And as a nation, it doesn't really seem like we do this uh, very well. Um, oftentimes I feel like God is forgotten and many people are trying to push God out of the picture. But as Christians, this is really um, one of the forefront concepts of who we are to be. But can I admit something to you guys today, a very honest confession? And I think in the type of church that we are, probably won't come across as a huge surprise, but I still think it's really important to share these every once in a while. I want to share something with you that as a pastor, um, I sometimes find it hard to trust God. Um, can any of you relate with this, that it can be difficult to trust God. You can have grown up in a church family. Um, you could grow up as a pastor's kid like myself um, and still struggle with the concept of trusting God. You can know every Bible verse there is about how good God is. You can know every song like Waymaker, right? That inspires you and reminds you. And yet, still feel the shroud of doubt and, and fear and lack of trust. It's not that I don't love God. It's, that it's not that I don't believe in God. But sometimes I can just feel uneasy about my current circumstances and my future. Um, sometimes I'm worried about the tension in our country. This week, particularly, as we saw um, people storm the, the Capitol building, one of our most sacred um, national buildings and what it stands for as a nation. Um, this is an uneasy time for our country. Our world is on the, what many would say, on the brink of uh, environmental disaster. Um, there is great division in our country um, between Americans. Brother and sister alike are on opposite ends of the country. We see violent tendencies. There's racism and there's oppression. Um, you know, there's just tension everywhere, political division. And it's hard to trust that there is a God or that he's there, that he wants to or is willing to or is capable of intervening. And so this concept of trusting in God, which is something we are called to do as Christians, something that is, um, that is admonished uh, and is, 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 is seen all throughout Scripture of God's faithfulness and, and how, how glorious he is. And we sing songs about his power and his majesty. And yet we also see the world around us and it doesn't always seem to match up. And so I wanted to teach a series on what it means for us to trust in God. What does it mean to, to, to be a people who trust in God. And so I think of questions like this, particularly in our election season, or even now as we're about to move on to the inauguration. What if the wrong person got elected? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? Um, what, if, what, if, uh, what if COVID never goes away and I'm going to be single the rest of my life? 
What if I marry the wrong person? What if I have the wrong kids? What happens if I lose my job and my kids, I have the right kids, but then my kids can't get braces and then they marry the wrong person. And then I end up having the wrong grandkids. Like, like what, what, how do we trust God in a world where there are so many things that are uneasy? I want to trust God. You know, I've seen him be faithful to me in the past. I've seen God do wonderful things in my life. I've seen God operate in other people's lives. But how do I trust in a God that I can't see? I can see the COVID around me. I can see the craziness around me. I can see it that when my bank account drops at the beginning of the year, when I looked and I saw that my retirement plan had a negative 17 return rate on it, that's, that's stressful, you know? Um, I see the tension around me. I see the, the friends in my group. I see the people in our church who are struggling. I can see that. That's tangible but I can't see God. I can't see him answering. How do I trust God when I did trust him and he didn't do what I asked him to do? He could have acted, but he didn't. That's a fair question. And one that I think that many of us ask, and it's not easy and there isn't an easy answer for it. And that's today's message. The message of today, our first message in our series of in God we trust is can you trust God? That's today's message. Can you trust God? Would you pray with me as we open this message? Father, we are about to begin this message series that I believe is really powerful for, uh, for your people. I'm excited for what it means for our church. We live in a world right now where things are very uneasy and it is very easy to, to take our trust away or to feel like there isn't something to trust in. And today we're asking that question, can you be trusted? And we recognize it's a difficult question. And there are not easy answers, but I believe that you do speak to us and give us steps to understand whether we can trust you and how to begin to do so. And I pray that you would open that and unlock that in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want to do today is I want to um, talk to you about two prayers that will help us build our trust. Two prayers to help you build your trust. And I want to be um, reading out of a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 5. If you guys want to open up your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 5, we're going to be reading in verses 4 and 5. Um, and many of you maybe have heard this story, uh, this passage here before. What was happening was that Jesus, just before this passage uh, in Luke 5, Jesus was teaching by the lake of Gennesaret. Again, right, Jesus tends to uh, kind of find himself in one spot. He kind of parks himself in a location, and, he, and a bunch of people gather around him, and he just sits, and he talks to them, and he teaches them about the kingdom of God. He teaches them about what it means to be a person of faith, and, and he tells them about who he is and what he has to offer, and he prays for the sick, and he feeds them, and he heals them, right? And this is a pattern that we see over and over and over again. So he's at the lake of Gennesaret. And this is at the end of the day. So Jesus is tired. He's probably hungry. But Jesus also knows that his disciples, the ones who are the closest to him, the ones that he spends his most time with, the most intimate time with, probably needs a lesson as well. So uh, he gets into the boat belonging to Simon, Peter, and he says, take me out into the water, right? I've got some more teaching to do. So Luke chapter 5 uh, verse 4 begins here and it says, when he had finished speaking, so he was done talking to all the other people, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now I want to pause here real quickly, okay? So what had just happened is that Peter 
and his guys, they're fishermen. I don't know if you guys knew this, but this was their job. They were fishermen. They had grown up being fishermen. And uh, just in case you need a little bit of a, a little history lesson here, um, all Jewish boys would go to like Hebrew school um, for the first like, you know, nine or 10 years and learn the basics of what it means to be a, a Jewish person. So they would learn the Torah, right? The first five books of the, New Te- of the Old Testament that we know of, the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. Uh, or Numbers Deuteronomy, they would learn them. They would memorize them. So they know all of these. They would learn it. They would sit under a, a rabbi. They would learn the language, obviously, all of that stuff. But only the brightest of them would go to like rabbi school and would become those guys. The rest of them go back home and just spend time as apprentices with their parents and learn to do whatever their family trade was. And so Peter and many of the other disciples were fishermen. That's what they would do. So they just grew up learning around boats and nets and how to cut fish and filleting and cooking them and selling them and you know whatever, that was their lifestyle. So imagine here for a second that while Jesus was teaching, and this is an interesting moment because we get the impression that Jesus, that, that we actually see that, the, that Simon at least was not with Jesus when he was teaching. He was fishing all night, okay? So Jesus is teaching, like doing his thing. And then afterwards he gets in Peter's boat and says, hey, go out and let your nets down. And so, so Peter had been fishing already all this time. And look at what his answer is in verse five. So Jesus says, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon says, master, we've worked hard all night and we didn't catch anything. Now I want to pause there too. Like I get the impression here from Peter, from Simon, Peter, same guy, that he's basically like Jesus. I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you're a teacher and I'm the fisherman. So how about you teach? and I'll fish. Okay. Like I'm trying to be real respectful of you and the things that you know, the things that you're good at. And I'm just kind of say like, you know, like we've been at this all night and we didn't catch anything. I'm tired and I don't really want to go out into the water and do it all over again because we didn't catch anything the first time. Okay. All right. And like what you're doing here is making me like feel really stupid, making me feel dumb because I don't want to do it. And sometimes um, there are things that Jesus says in scripture that we know the answer, right? That Jesus says to do these things, but it may, it's like, it sounds dumb, like to do it because you don't experience, you haven't like done what I'm going through right now. So Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. All right, Jesus, but you haven't seen the division in our nation right now. It's you don't worry about tomorrow, but I am because our whole Capitol building might be on fire tomorrow. Like that's worrisome to me. Bless those who persecute you, Jesus says. Well, you don't know the people that I work with, right? Like your boss, like how am I supposed to bless that guy, right? Don't lean on your own understanding, uh, the Bible says. Well, you don't worry, but I have bills that need paid. So um, how am I supposed to, like these things that Jesus says sometimes, feel like they're platitudes or like, you don't know how I'm feeling right now. So your word, your, 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 your instruction doesn't always seem overly helpful. I want to trust you, but I can't see you. I can't hear your voice. I don't see the results. Are you trustworthy? How do I trust you when it doesn't seem to really make sense? And so here's our first prayer to build trust. 
right? The first prayer of the two that I want to offer to each of us to, if we pray these prayers with an open heart, a sincere heart, I believe that we will begin to build trust. The first one is this, Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. That's the first prayer. Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. Even when your word sounds like it's, it doesn't apply. Even when it doesn't make sense to me. Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. And we see this prayer lived out when Simon lets down his nets. Let's keep reading here. Verse 5. Simon answered him. He still said it. Master, we have been at this all night and I have not caught a single thing, but look here. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so. I want you guys to let that resonate. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. It doesn't make sense to me what you're asking me to do, but because you say so. And here's what I would say to each of you in this prayer, this concept of, Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me, but because you say so, you don't have to understand completely in order to obey immediately. And this is hard because we want to go, that doesn't make sense. Can you explain it a little bit further to me? And I'm not saying that you can't ask for further clarification sometimes, but I think that well, there is an important lesson that we see here from Peter is that when we obey the simple things, when we step out in faith to obey, even when we don't understand that sometimes the miracle comes from a small acts of obedience. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. We have a tendency to think that it's only big things that God's going to ask us to do, right? Like, like if God asked me to pick up and move to another city, would I? Like if God said, I want you to leave your job tomorrow, would you? Like those are the big things that we tend to think of. Would I be obedient in these moments? But I have found that it is these small acts of obedience that actually seem to ripple in far directions. And that's where the miracles often happen from. Simple examples are in the way that I write my messages. There are times where I'll write throughout the week um, various things like when I'm trying to create applicable moments, you know, like, like I said earlier today about like the questions we have, right? Um, maybe I'm thinking, okay, a family member, like a mom or a dad or a sister or a brother, or maybe your own kid. I'll, I'll mention that. Like I'll say, maybe your kid is going through something here or maybe your job, right? Oftentimes I'm thinking of these things, a friend at the gym or a classmate or your next door neighbor. Occasionally though, something like seemingly random will pop into my head that I would not normally think about. It would be some crazy, I'll be like a family member or a sister or a brother or your child, or I'll be like, or a sick uncle who lives in Ohio. And it'll be like, what? Where did that come from? And I'll be like pondering whether or not I should write it down. There have been a few times in my teaching career, if you will, where I have said it in faith because I felt a prompting to include that interesting little line. And then I get to the sermon and I preach it and I include that moment, not knowing anything about it. And then later that week, someone will come up to me or send me a message and say, pastor, I wanted to let you know that when you said that uncle in Ohio or whatever it was, like 
I, I just found out this week that my uncle in Ohio is in the hospital with this thing or whatever. And, and it, and it, I was wondering if God was, had forgotten about my family. Like, I can't tell you that's happened a number of times in my ministry. And that's not a big thing. Like, like going to another country or giving up everything and packing my bags and selling all my property and, and, and starting a new life in obedience to God. That's a small act of obedience. When the Holy Spirit prompts me to say something to someone or to do something, or there have been moments when I, you guys may have heard me say this before, where I felt prompted to, to uh, ask people uh, at work if I could write down uh, a prayer request for them and pray for them when I was at work. And, and there were several times where I did this. This was years ago. I had a, pen, a pad and a pencil, uh, a, a pen. And, and as people would come to my desk for various business things that day, I would just ask them, I would say, hey, before you go, I'm doing this exercise today. Um, I'm asking people if, if anybody who comes to my desk, if I could just pray for them. Is there anything that I could pray for you about? And periodically, there would be someone who almost like a tear would well up in their eye in that moment, just asking the question. And they would say, oh my gosh, this thing happened, or this is happening in my life, or I just found out this thing, and I would pray for them. And several times that opened into further discussions. We would go to a conference room, and we would sit down, and I would be able to encourage that person and pray for them. Like, it's these simple, small moments of obedience that can turn into moments of miracle for other people or for our own lives where God begins to show up. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. That's the first prayer. If we want to, to learn how to trust God, that he can be trusted, but we want to see it more in our life, we have to ask and begin to exercise that muscle. Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. But because you say so, Master, I've been at this all night. I've prayed for this. I've done that before. It's not working, but because you say so, I will do it. It doesn't make sense to me but because you say so. Now, how do we do it? How do we do this? Um, the answer that I would give you is we have to get clingy. And I'm the first person to tell you that I hate clinginess. I hate it. I hate people touching my face. I hate things like being all over me. I hate it when like, and I sound like such a grump, like such a Scrooge, but like when kids are like climbing all over me, like, so we're having this conversation with Kylie and Scott and like, and, and Chris and Carrie. And it's all like, 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 and I understand there's something joyful about kids and all, and that's wonderful, but I don't, they're like, is it like, but there, I just like my space, right? I, I don't, I don't like the, the, the hanger on stuff, like in movies, like lingerers, man, like that concept is just, but there is something about clinging to God that reinforces this and gives us the ability to trust God. Why am I talking about this? Because listen to this verse in Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? We, we hear this all the time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways, submit yourself to him and he will make your path straight. We've heard this right? Many of us as Christians have heard this. We grew up in church. This is a promise. This is one of those promises that we put on the, on the wall or put it on our desk at work, right? When we're trying to trust in God. But why do I talk about clingy? Well, because the Hebrew word here for trust in the Lord is batak. 
You guys say that. Say batak. Batak. It means to cling to. To cling, like grab onto and like, you know, pull real hard. So think about that. Cling to the Lord with all your heart. Cling to him. Like, like I'm not letting go. Like that bear hug. Like one of the things I do love is when my son will run up to me and he'll give me a hug. And then he like wraps his arms around me. And then he does the thing where he wraps his legs around me. And then I'm like, right. But he's like clinging to me like a sloth or like the, like the koala bears, like, or the monkeys when they like just grab onto the tree and they cling to it, cling to the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Master, we've been at this all night. But because you say so, I'm clinging to you. And in all your ways, submit to him. I submit to what you say. My act of obedience. You don't always have to understand completely in order to obey immediately. In order to cling to God, you're going to have to let go of whatever it is you're holding on to. What is it that you're holding on to instead of him? What is it that you are putting your trust in instead of him? I get it. That's a very like Zen-like thing to say, very pastor-like thing to say. But think about the reality of that. I can't cling to God with all my heart and lean not on my understanding. If my understanding and my clinginess is in my job, is in my paycheck, is in my friends, or is in my, my relationship with my wife, those things will fail me if I put my ultimate trust in them. I have to cling to something greater than that, something that will not fall over in the storm, something that will not be blown away, something that does not have the capacity of failure. Because as much as I love my wife, when push comes to shove, there is the small possibility she might choose herself over me. She would maybe not want to say that, but I cannot with 100% certainty say that I wouldn't do the same thing. We all have the capacity to fail. We were just talking about this prior today. We were talking about Frodo. Now Frodo in Lord of the Rings is like this, this person who, like, who does everything, spoiler alert, and gets to the end of the story and fails because there is the capacity for every single one of us to fail. But there is one person who doesn't, who has the capacity to be trusted in. But in order for us to build that trust in him, we have to cling to him, which means we've got to let go of our ultimate control in the other things. Cling to the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Letting go of my own wisdom. It means letting go of my own plans. And I'm clinging to you, God. I'm clinging to you. I'm spending time in your word. I'm allowing it to read me. I'm allowing it to say, I don't get it. I've tried it. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it because you say so. I'm clinging to God's promises, clinging to God's truth, clinging to God's goodness, saying, clinging to what he says about me. This is where you do want to write these things down and put them on your wall at work, put them on your, highlight them in your Bible, share things on Facebook. You've been seeing me do that this week in my Facebook and Instagram stories, posting scriptures up. These are things that I'm doing because I'm clinging to God's word. I'm clinging that I cast my cares on him because he cares for me. I'm clinging to the word that says he will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm clinging to the word that says that he's working all things for my good. I'm clinging to the words that says that 
that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. I'm clinging to when he says, when I draw near to you, that he will be near to me. I'm clinging to when he says that he is close to the brokenhearted so that he will save those who are crushed in spirit. I'm clinging to when it says that he is my refuge, that he is my strength. He is my stronghold in time of trouble. You have to cling to those things and lean not on your own understanding, not your over analysis, not your own paralysis in those spaces. But because I trust you, I will let my nets down. I don't know the outcome, but I'm going to trust in you. And here's why. Because the outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. The outcome is his responsibility. Obedience is yours and mine. And sometimes those promptings that we have, the small things, maybe the big ones, will lead and follow simple acts of obedience. So now watch what happens here in Luke chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. I don't understand it. I've been at this all night, but because you say so, I will do it. He puts his nets down. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Lord, help me to understand even when I, help me to obey even when I don't understand. Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. And the second prayer to help us build trust is, Lord, help me surrender what I cannot control. Lord, help me to surrender what I cannot control. So what happens is, is that Peter sees this. He's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And he falls to his knees. He falls to his knees and he says, go away, away, Lord. I am a sinful man. Like he's trying to kick Jesus out of the boat. Like get out of here. Like he's embarrassed by his own, by his own lack of faith in the beginning, but also recognizing he's in the presence of God. Who's like, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I don't deserve your goodness. I don't deserve your grace. I'm just a fisherman. Verse 10, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, Peter. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and they left everything and followed him. Everything. What did everything include? It included their boat. It included the nets. It included all the tackle, all the bait. It included all of the, the, the things that he was familiar with. All the things that he put his trust in, right? All the things that he had grown up learning to use. All the things that he's gotten good at. That means his budget, right? For those of us who are budgeters, that means he, he, he left his spreadsheets. He left his, um, you know, the, his mode of transportation. He left like his trust and willingness in, 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 in all of those other things and walked away and followed Jesus. He left everything and followed him. The net to Peter represents to Simon provision. It represents security. It represents his future. He had no future outside of fishing. It wasn't like he could now go and become a rabbi. That's just not going to happen. Like that was his path. He can't go and become a carpenter. That wasn't his path either. He can't go be a vendor. He can't do any of those things. Like the nets that he left behind represent everything to him. And what is God calling us to do in this concept of help me surrender what I cannot control? I cannot control the things in my life, no matter how much I like to think that I can. First, you have to let down those things when God tells us to. 
but then you have to lay them down, like not take control over them anymore. Let go of your plans, let go of your understanding and cling to God. And this is hard because we find ourselves asking, God, where are you? Why is this happening in my life? I don't understand. I'm trusting you, but it doesn't seem like you're acting. I've tried this all night. Maybe you're wondering why you don't have a job with benefits. You're working hours and hours and hours, all strange, different. Retail is a place like this. I can't seem to get a good job. I can't seem to get a job that's going to set me up, but I still trust you, God. Like you're still putting yourself in that space. I'm laying everything behind me. I'm laying down my nets. I'm putting them away. I'm not putting my trust in those things. I'm fighting for your marriage. Maybe you're in a space where you're fighting in a relationship or you're fighting for your marriage, but it doesn't seem like the other person is really like in it as much as you are. God, I'm trusting you. I'm putting it, I'm going to keep doing the things you've told me to do. I'm going to be obedient in those things because I trust you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm doing those things, but I continue to battle depression and anxiety. It doesn't matter what I'm trying to do, God, no matter how hard I, I worship, no matter how much I read my Bible, no matter how many books that I read, it doesn't feel like it's getting any better. I'm laying down my understanding in those things and I'm going to put my trust in you. Our prayers to God matter. Lord, help me obey even when I don't understand. Lord, help me surrender things that I can't control and know that you are God. As we pray these things, as we continue to pray for these things, as continue to pray in trust and in faith, God promises to show up. He promises to bring miracles into our lives, to give us the strength and the energy that we need. Although my heart is hurting, my hope is not shaken. Psalm 20, verse 7 says this. This is uh, the psalmist writing. He says, Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. In a modern example of that, some people trust in the economy, some people trust in uh, who holds office, right? Like our nation doesn't stand a chance if Donald Trump is in office. That's what we tell ourselves, right? Maybe other people say, oh my gosh, our nation's going, going to the crapper now because Joe Biden's in office. Like, like some trust in the economy, some trust in who holds office, some trust in, who, who, uh, in my bank account, some trust in their medical report. But we, it says, trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in a loving God who is in total control. We trust that one day our God will make everything right because that's what his word says. We trust in a God who will wipe out evil. He will wipe away sin and sickness off the face of the earth. We trust that he will restore the entire earth to a place of peace and harmony and security and joy. We trust that the God who says there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain, that there will no more heartache happen. That's what Peter is saying in you. He bowed down. He laid down everything and said, I'm following you because I can trust you. Our prayers that will help us build trust. Lord, help me obey when I don't understand. Lord, help me surrender what I cannot control. But when did the miracle happen? I mean, he had been out there all night, right? Got in the boat, went out to the deep water. Took a while to get out there too because it's not like around the shores. You got to paddle. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do it anymore. And then the master, the one that you spend your time saying that you follow says, do it again. Do the thing that you've been doing. Do it again. 
Just keep doing it. You don't understand, do it. Just do it. The miracle came at the end of the disappointing day. When they were putting away their boats, they were done. They, they didn't catch any fish. They weren't going to make any money. They didn't have any food. The end of a disappointing day. They had given up. They were putting away their nets. They were putting it all away. And maybe you or someone you know is in a place where you feel like giving up. You're about to throw something away. You're about to throw it away. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's just you're throwing in the towel. I'm done with this. I can't do it anymore. You've been praying. You've been trying to believe. And you might just give up. You've been fighting for a relationship. You've been fighting with, for your kids to, to fix things. You've been working hard, but you feel like it's not going to last. You feel like this new situation that it's just not, it's not going to take traction. You're worried it's not going to work out. This new job's not going to work out. That things aren't ever going to get any better for you. You had a dream that you were fighting for that you believed in, and now it doesn't seem like everything is not working that direction, and you're going to give up, and you're never going to work on it again. You feel like you just quit believing that that dream is even possible. It was at the end of the day when they'd almost thrown away hope. That's when the miracle happened. And so what I want for each of you today is to believe, is to tell yourself, to tell someone else that it's not over. That with God, all things are possible. And even though I may not see it, I may not understand it, that you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. That you can trust God, that you can obey him. And know that, that he is bigger than you and that even if it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to, that it might or that there's a miracle waiting around the corner that could change everything, that the situation could be different. Sometimes we have to look back into our history and remind ourselves of the times that God has shown up, the miracles that he has made, that he has done. But sometimes it's the small act of obedience in the middle of disappointment, in the middle of frustration, when you're about to give up, where you dig deep and in faith, you say, I'm going to keep doing what I know God has called me to do, that the miracle is just waiting on the other end. And yes, I understand that there's all the voices in your head go, but I've done that a thousand times. I've done it. And it's not going to happen this time. But that's what faith is. And it means you keep pushing. God promises. My mom, one of my mom's favorite scriptures is I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And that's hard because I will tell you that in the grand scheme of things, I know it is true. God is in control. God is faithful. God is able. God is still the miracle worker. He is still the way maker, but we must be people of faith. And so our two prayers that I want to remind you of before we close out today is, Lord, help me obey even when I don't understand. Because you say so, I'll do it. Lord, help me surrender what I cannot control. Lord, help me surrender what I cannot control. My job, my paycheck, my understanding. I will lean not on those things. I will cling to you. Pray with me now. God, my desire is to cling to you, to batak to you, cling to you, to grab your shirt and to like hold on, to wrap my arms and legs, to bear hug you. God, whatever that means for each one of us, God, may that be an image pressed into our mind, seared into our consciousness, to see that that's what it, that it takes to build trust in you. 
reading your word, pasting your promises all over our office, all over our house, listening to worship music, maybe even for a season, fasting other music and playing only worship music, reading your words, carving out time, spending time with other Christians and encouraging each other, whatever it might be, reading Christian books and and listening to podcasts, anything that we can do to cling to you, God, so that we don't lean on our own understanding, but it's submitting our way to you. God, may our our words be, because you say so, I will do it. God, give us the strength to hold on. For those of us who are about to give up, for whatever it is, whatever they're holding on to, whatever weakness they feel like, they're frustrated, they're tired, wherever they are, wherever any of us are today and we're about to give up, no, give us the faith to hold on. Lord, let me obey you. Help me to obey you even when I don't understand. God, help me to surrender what I can't control. Show us that you are trustworthy. We put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.